everybody to welcome to the thriving money show this is a show where we help you to build your wealth brick by brick be a generational curse breaker and take your finances to a new level so this is episode one of the thriving money show and i could not be more excited so i wanted to talk to you about the reason why i decided to do the thriving money show no, it's not just about money. It's not just about prosperity. Yes, that's important. But I know when you have your mindset right, your skill set right, and your financial literacy right, it can make a huge, huge difference in your life, not just financially, but also socially, but also physically, spiritually, mentally. So we're going to deal with prosperity in all of those areas, and I could not be more excited. I am Marvin Mitchell. I am your coach on a Thriving Money Show, and we're going to help you make more money, multiply your money, and manage that money. I am an 18-year Hall of Fame financial advisor, top five retirement advisor based on Retirement Advisor Magazine, and I have helped hundreds and hundreds of people to achieve the life of their dreams, and I have coached many people to six figures, seven figures and beyond. So what do we want to talk about today? I thought the best show would, would best start to the show to kind of talk about foundation, the foundation. When we are talking about money, I want to talk to you about how does money work? So on this show, this will be Financial Literacy 101. How does money work? How do we make sure that you multiply your money? How do we make sure you manage your money? So with that being said, you all, we're going to bring up um, a slide really quick. This slide is called um, your, your income potential. Now, your income potential is a lot of things, right? But I'm going to talk to you about what that means, okay? Lifetime income potential is any amount of money that you could earn during your lifetime. So, for example, I want to show you it right here is your lifetime income potential. What that means, when we think about income, there's only so much income you can make. Sure, you can earn more money, but there's some limit to it to a certain extent. When you make that money, it goes into your income capital potential tank. When you make that money, it transferred, transfers down to your tax filter, which means at some point, we're going to have to pay taxes on that money. When we pay taxes on that money, we have a choice on what happens with your lifestyle regulator, which means you can choose that you're going to pump some of that money up and save it, or you can choose to not save it and let all of that money just flow through the system of your current lifestyle. So to kind of make that even more clear for you, if I made all of my money during my lifetime income and I paid taxes on that money and I decided not to save at all, it's going to look like this. You're going to have no savings tank. All of that money will flow to your current lifestyle and it's going to drain at the end of the tank where it will be gone and lost forever. And of course, we don't want that to happen. 
Now, obviously, the problem is, is, is that if you don't save anything, what's going to happen is eventually you're going to need to borrow money because you're going to have a high expense with no savings to pay for it. So when you borrow that money, you're also stealing from your future self. So that is your future income obligation that you owe on a lifetime capital potential. Now, obviously, we don't want to get into bad debt. So we obviously we want to save. When we save, we're going to have an option to either save in your investment tank or save in your savings tank. The investment tank doesn't have a cap, which means you can lose money, but you can also earn more. The savings tank does have a cap for protection. We need an emergency fund and we also want that money protected. So with that being said, I'm going to kind of walk you through a couple of things really quick. On one of some of the biggest mistakes that I see people make when they're looking to fund their future lifestyle. Let's go to. Okay, here we go. Okay, so let's just say hypothetically, you're 25 and you're watching this show right now and you want to retire at 65. Let's say you have $102,000 saved up for retirement and you're earning a growth rate of an income growth rate of 3% to keep pace with inflation. You have $88,000 currently saved and that investment return is earning you 6%. What that means is that at your retirement age of 65, your income potential will have been 7,690,928. That means all of the income, the 102,000 at a 3% inflation rate, when you add that together until you're 65, that means you would have made income of 7690928 Now, when we add your investment account of 88000 and assuming that you save every dime of that money, that means your wealth potential is $26,218,486. Does that sound crazy when you think that $102,000 per year in income has a wealth potential of 26218486 Now, obviously, you're not going to save every dime of that money, right? We have taxes we have to worry about. We got to live. You got to eat. You have to breathe. You have to pay taxes. I mean, there's so many things that you have to do. So that savings bucket would have looked like this at $26 million. But let's just assume, let's just say that you're in a 25% tax bracket. To show you the impact of taxes, this shows you just that just at 25% taxes, we would have paid $6,328,336 in taxes alone, right? Now, we don't just have taxes. A lot of us have debt. So let's just assume you had student loan debts, credit card debt, you're financing a vehicle, et cetera. Well, when we take debt into consideration, you have now just paid $5 million and $62,000 in debt. So now we've spent 
a total of $11,391,004. But we still have saved $14,827,000. Sounds great. Except the fact that you realize that you still got to live. So let's just say 50% is spent on your lifestyle, what you eat, what you drink, where you live, what you buy, etc. Now, all of a sudden, we have 2,170,810 saved and we've spent 24,047,676. And this is assuming that you save 5%. That is almost double the average savings rate. Most people in America, especially, don't save more than 2% of their, of their income. I know it sounds crazy, but I think it's 70%. The stats are crazy, right? But we're, for the sake of this, we're going to assume 5%. So what most people are going to do they're going to go to their financial advisor and say, you know what? Instead of 6%, you need to make me 8%. They're going to keep spending frivolously, whatever they're doing, keep paying more money in taxes, keep paying all of this money in debt and talk to their advisor and say, you need to make me more money. So let's say that advisor made them 8%. Well, they did a lot better. Now they have 3,945,585. And they spent $38,642,717. But let me show you one of the biggest secrets I found out in the financial industry. Let's just take that back to 6%. So instead of earning you 8%, instead of 6%, let's keep it at 6%. But let's just say you were able to reduce your taxes down to 20%. Okay. Now, we are at, let me apply these changes. Now we have 3436478 It's only making 6%. And let's just assume we reduce your debt services down instead of 20%, only 10% of bad debt. Now your savings is at 20%. You're still living the exact same lifestyle, but you have $5,967,812 saved, only at 6%, okay? Now, what if we did both? What if we reduce your taxes, we reduce your debt, and we earned you 8%? Well, now you have 10047067 saved, right? Do you see how much difference this makes? in your lifestyle. It makes a huge, huge, huge difference, right? So when we're taking a look at this, we have to consider the fact that this is our life. We have to make better decisions financially. Every decision, every small decision that you make, how much do I pay for that vehicle? How much do I save? Do I save money in my investment account? Do I borrow the money? Do I overfund my 401k? Do I not overfund my 401k? Do I save in a life insurance policy? Do I not save in a, into a life insurance policy? Every bit of detail matters. So let me show you really quick what the choice that you have, okay? So you're going to save money through your lifetime income potential. Of course, you have to pay taxes on that. We can minimize that, but we can't avoid it. Then when we get to our lifestyle regulator, we decide if we're going to let this keep going or if we're going to take a percentage of that money and pump it up the tank 
to our investment tank until our or and into our savings tank. Now let's just say that we pump money into our investment tank. So we do have savings, but guess what? That red represents, that's not all of your money. You still have to pay taxes on that money. Plus you can lose money due to market decline. So we have to manage that better. Now, what if we save money in after-tax vehicles such as a Roth account? Well, now we can save that money, but guess what? The money is completely tax-free, okay? When we take it out. Same thing for savings. We can pump money into our savings account and pay taxes, or we can invest in something like cash value life insurance, and we don't have to pay those taxes. And we also have a tax-free death benefit, and we have cash value that we can borrow against, which I'm going to talk to you about in a second. This is one of the biggest hacks when it comes to investing, you all, that you can actually save in a cash value policy that can make you wealthy and that can make you rich and you can actually borrow against that and have liquidity use and control of your money so let's take a second to step back all right can we stop sharing really quick on the screen all right go ahead and stop sharing it really quick okay so you all can you see what i'm saying about the decisions that we make with money, right? Now, I'm going to talk to you about investments. I'm going to talk to you about the investment tank really quick because you have some choices to make. When you invest your money, you have to decide what to invest in and also how to diversify that money. What to invest in and how to diversify your money. So go ahead and pull the screen up again and I'm going to show you all how to diversify that money. Okay, so so now we are investing our money. So there are many savings and investment vehicles available to store your future lifestyle dollars. Each has a unique set of costs and benefits. But let's consider your preference on account risk, taxation, and also accessibility. How much of this money do we want to access? Access. So. Let's go ahead and show you how that works. Okay. So, sorry, I'm checking something really quick. Give me a second. All right, cool. Looks like we're live. Okay. So, let's talk about account risk. Okay. There are three levels of account risk you have higher risk, you have moderate risk, and you have no to low risk. Now, common characteristics about higher risk is that you have higher volatility, which means it can go up and down, up and down. You have higher return potential and you also have a higher chance of loss. Moderate risk, same thing. You have moderate risk, moderate protection, limited liquidity, and also moderate return potential. And then no to low risk, okay? You have guaranteed returns. You cannot lose. A lot of times you have high liquidity, and you have lower return potential. So we're going to want to diversify that, but you don't just want to diversify your investments. You also want to diversify your tax structure. So let's just say we have a taxable account, tax deferred account, and a tax advantage account. What are the difference? Well, the taxable accounts 
It's after-tax contributions, which means you have to pay ordinary taxes on every dime that you make from dividends. You also have capital gain taxes, which means when you sell your investment, you will have to pay a capital gain tax on the gain. Typically, it's around 15%. And when you take that capital gain withdrawal, it does impact the taxation on your Social Security. Yes, your Social Security can and will be taxed if you don't do this right. Now, tax deferred, same thing. You're going to have, you're going to be able to contribute both tax and after tax. But when you take the money out, you have to pay ordinary tax on the entire withdrawal. What does that mean? Let's say I'm making $100,000. Well, when I take out $25,000, they're going to tax that $25,000 and add it to my ordinary income tax. So now I didn't make $100,000. I made $125,000. And they're going to tax that at whatever tax bracket that, 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 that it is at that particular time. Now, tax advantage accounts. This is where we want to be. After-tax contributions, tax-free withdrawal options may require some qualifications, but it is invisible to the IRS, which means it is invisible to Social Security. So if you want to get to the point where your taxes are invisible, we want it to be in tax advantage accounts. So let's just say you had an $88,000 current balance. Remember, this is where we wanted to be. We wanted to be 33%. We kind of wanted to be split between high risk, moderate risk, and no no risk. We also wanted to be split between taxable, tax deferred, and tax advantage. But most people that I see have 100% in tax deferred, which means it's in your 401k. You haven't paid taxes. This is one of the biggest crimes because you're not just creating a tax plan for yourself. You're creating a tax plan for the government because, as you say, the government's share keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, if you have a match, you do want to contribute to the match. But if you don't have a match, you might want to consider something else. So most people are not diversified in their investments and they're definitely not diversified in their taxes. This is where most people are 100 percent. Most people are here when we want to be here. Okay. Can you see the difference? I mean, that is a huge, huge, huge difference. So what do you do? What are you doing to plan your financial life? What are you doing to make sure that you don't end up like most people where 70% of people run out of money? in retirement. Who do you want to be? What do you have and what do you want to be? The problem is, is that most people don't even know what they have. You you first must know where you are in order to figure out where you want to be. Okay. So we want to create strategies for you that are going to help you make better financial decisions. And during this Thriving Money Show, We're going to continue to do things like this, okay? So I want to talk to you about taxes really quick. So let's talk about taxes. Why is taxes so important? Because most people don't realize that we are at a historically low tax bracket right now. We're at a historically low tax bracket. Let's just say hypothetically Um, If we take a look at this, we're at 94% tax brackets, 91% tax brackets, 73% tax brackets in history. You might be thinking, yeah, that's cool, but 
That's crazy. It's never going to go back to that. Really? Look, in 1981, the highest tax bracket was 81%, but you would have had to earn $5 million in order to get taxed at 81%. So you're thinking, well, 1941, $5 million, I'm never going to have to worry about that. Really? The next year, 1942, tax brackets go up to 88%. They increase. But that amount of $5 million decreases to 200000 So not only did the tax bracket increase, but the tax threshold decreased. Do you ever think that in life you're going to be making more than $200,000? We are at that exact same situation right now where the highest tax bracket is very high, but they can decrease that at any time. So when we take a look at this, you all, we are at historically low tax bracket. The highest tax bracket right now is only 37% which means the average is 56.76%. Do we think that we have any room, any gap between where we are now and the average? Well, let's just say that we earn $120,000 and we have a standard deduction. It's $13,850. What a standard deduction means is that they're going to subtract that from my income before it counts toward my tax bracket, which means that my taxable income is now only $106,150. Now, all of that money is not taxed at the highest marginal tax bracket. You can see that this $106,000, let me kind of highlight this for you. If this is making sense to you, put some fireballs in the comments. I want to see you participating on this call. Put some fireballs in the comments if this is making sense to you. Okay, so my income is $106,120, which means... I fall into the 24% threshold because my income is between 95,000 and 182. But all of my money is not taxed at 24%. The first 11,000 is only taxed at 10%, which is $1,100. The next 12%, I mean, I'm sorry, the next 11,000 to 44,000 is only taxed at 12%, which is 4,000. Between 44,000 and 95,000 is taxed at 22% which is 11,143 and I fall. Now, every dollar that I make above that is taxed at 24% and I'm not yet at 182. So everything now is taxed at 24%. So even though my marginal tax rate is 24%, my effective tax rate because of the actual dollars that I pay is only at 15.73%. So let's see what that looks like. If I save the million dollars at the 15.73%, that means... 842,700 is my share, but the IRS's share of 157 is 157,300. So, not too bad, but didn't we just say that taxes could increase? If we just got up to the average, not the highest tax bracket, just the average, that means our taxes would increase by 261%. Two hundred and sixty-one percent tax increase, but what if it didn't increase by the average? What if it just increased? Let's just say up to thirty percent. Now all of a sudden, our share is seven hundred thousand. The IRS's share is three hundred thousand. This is why overfunding four hundred one k's are so so dangerous if you invest in a tax deferred account because all the government has to do is raise taxes immediately 
and $300,000 now is their share. So they just got a $120,000 pay raise simply by making a tax rule switch. Does that make sense? So why is that important to you? Um, I don't know if this is going to pull up. I'm going to pull up the debt clock, and I think it's going to pop up in my windows. So I'm going to pull it up. I'm not sure if it's going to show. Is it showing? If not, just go to, I'll just pop the link in here, um, Brian. Okay, I'm going to pop this link in here. You can just pull it up. All right, Brian. So I popped up the link. Go ahead and click on it, usdebtclock.org. And I am seeing your fireballs in the comments, you all. I definitely appreciate you commenting. That that actually helps the um, help get this message across. So make sure you're sharing this. Make sure you're saving this. Make sure you're subscribing to my channel. So what you all see now is the U.S. debt clock. Now, what's crazy about this, look at the U.S. national debt. It keeps moving. Can you see that it's at 34 million over? I'm sorry. No, not million. I said that wrong. Not billion. Thirty four trillion dollars is the U.S. national debt. The debt taxpayer, the 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 average, I mean, the debt per taxpayer is now two hundred and sixty four thousand two hundred sixty four thousand ninety dollars. What that means, if we're going to get out of national debt, everyone would have to pay that pays taxes two hundred and sixty four thousand ninety dollars just to get us out of national debt. The debt per citizen is one hundred and one thousand three hundred and eight. That means everybody who's alive, even newborn babies, would have to pay $101,308 just to get us out of debt. What's crazy about this, if I look at the very bottom, towards the bottom of the screen, where it says student loan debt, look at the bottom of the, of the red section that's in the middle. Student loan debt is $1,729,000, whereas credit card debt is $1,302,000. So we actually have more student loan debt than credit card debt. This is a problem, you all. Can you not see a problem? So what are they going to have to do? Okay, we can go ahead and go back to sharing my screen. In fact, you can just share my face. Don't You don't have to share anything about the tax history. So what are we going to have to do, you all? We are going to have to save in a different way. We cannot keep following traditional advice. Traditional advice is what's causing 70 plus percent of people to run out of money. Okay, we have to start saving now. We have to save early. We have to save often. And we have to save in places that are not going to tax us. We can save hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes, right? So, what if you have saved in IRAs and tax deferred accounts and you are looking for a way to change that cycle? What I'm telling you to do is we have to start thinking about converting to IRAs. We have to consider not saving in tax deferred 401ks and saving toward Roth 401ks, not saving past a match, because why would we put ourselves into an even more dangerous situation than we are now? Social security isn't promised. 2034, the Social Security Administration, they have already said that they are going to have some trouble. 
paying this obligation, which means they're probably going to have to increase taxes, or they're probably going to have to tax us more on Social Security, or they're probably going to have to hire the, the age threshold. Okay, 1960 is when Social Security, um, when Social Security first came out, you all, the, the average life expectancy was like 62, 63. The average life expectancy is now 84, and they have they still have the same life insurance at the early age of 62. It used to be 60. Do you realize that they're going to have to, you may not be able to take Social Security until you're 70. Well, what about pensions? Do you realize that pensions are already almost a thing of the past? You won't have that guaranteed fixed income. So you have to make some changes now. So if you give me a second, what I'm going to show you is what is the cost of waiting? One of the things that I will tell you and hear me out, procrastination is the assassination of your destination. We cannot afford to wait. You must start making changes now. And what I'm going to show you in a second is I'm going to show you the cost of waiting. Um, go ahead and, and pull up my screen again, um, um, the, the where we had the tax chart. Okay. Okay, listen to me, you all. Let's say you're 25 years old and you think your retirement age is going to be a 65. Your investments are earning a return of 8%. Well, let's just say we are saving a thousand a month. So that comes out to be $12,000 for the year. And we're going to keep doing that over 40 years. And we're not even going to increase that saving every year. We're just going to keep it at 12000 What you're going to see is that we have made total contributions of $480,000. And our age is 65. The balance is $3,357,372. Not bad. We only saved $1,000 a month, and we end up with $3,357,372. Total contributions was only four eighty. dollars Sounds great. But what if we just waited five years and we just waited until we were 30? How much more would we need to save to get to that same amount of $3,357,372 at the age of 65? Hopefully, you all are sharing this across your social media platforms. Okay. We would now need to save $18,040 to get to that same amount. That means we would have had to make total contributions of $631,417 to get to that same $3 million. Okay. Well, what if we waited until the age of 35? Now, that's $27,442 that we need to save per year to get to that same exact result. And what if we waited until age 40? Now, that's $42,000. We would need to save $1 million instead of $480,000. See, time is on your side. This is the power of compound interest. All right, go ahead and, and screen, go back to me. Okay, so can you see why it's important to go ahead and save now? Can you see why that's so important? So if you have $100,000 sitting into an, an IRA and you feel like you have, you know, got on the wrong track, what do you do? Okay. What do you do? Uh, well, 
I'm going to show you one of the things that you could do. One of the things is called a Roth conversion. So I'm going to show you the power of a Roth conversion. Uh, but let me give you, give you one second. I'm going to explain this to you. I'm giving you so many gems today. You all, this is why you always want to tune in to the Thriving Money Show. Put an alert, put a bell, like, share, and subscribe this. And, um, and, and, and go ahead, because I'm telling you, this is some powerful information. So what I'm going to show you now is the power of a Roth conversion. Go ahead and pull up my screen. Okay, this is the power of a Roth conversion. So should I convert my traditional IRA to a Roth IRA? So the answer to this question really depends on two things. It depends on... Number one, first, do I think tax rates will go up or go down? Put this in the comments. What do you think, based on what I just showed you, do you think future taxes will go down or do you think future taxes will go up? You also want to consider um, um, to convert will cost you taxes now. So when you convert money now, you do have to pay taxes on that money. So you also have to consider the money that you convert, because what if you never had to pay taxes on that money and you were able to keep that money invested? What would be the total difference in your portfolio if you did not pay those taxes to convert your money? Basically, what a Roth conversion is, is when you say, I will go ahead and pay the taxes at the current tax rate today. Therefore, I never have to pay the taxes on it in the future. So the benefit is you're paying taxes on the seed instead of waiting to pay taxes on the harvest, okay? So let's go ahead and take a look at this. Let's explore. So let's just say again, I'm 25 years old. I retire, I wanna retire at the age of 65. I'm gonna project this out to the age of 90. Let's just say I have a balance save of about $100,000, $100,000 right now that's growing at a rate of return of 8%. Let's just assume my highest tax rate now is 30%. And when I retire, I'm going to take out 5% for income. And at that point, my tax rate is still going to be 30%. So I'm just going to show you what that looks like. So what this is going to show you, and I'm going to break this down to you and explain it. So don't worry. This shows you that my after-tax income from my traditional IRA would be 2619503 This means if I did not convert this, the after-tax income that I would be able to pull out total was 2619000 My after-tax income, by not converting it and keeping the dollars and not paying the taxes today and just deferring the taxes, would be 394523 which is a total of... 3,014,026. So I'm going to break this down. So if you don't understand yet, that's okay. Just bear with me. Now, my total income from the Roth IRA, if I converted everything, would be 3,762,147, which means I would have made, just by being more efficient with my money and converting my $100,000, I would have made an additional 728000 121. Now you might be thinking, okay, great, but I'm confused. What does all this mean? Let me break it down for you. 
Okay. I'm just going to show you if I did not convert, that means my $100,000 is just going to grow tax deferred, which means it's earning 8% per year. So as you can see here, it's earning 8% per year, which means the first year I began at 100,000, I earned I earned, oops, sorry. I earned $8,000 because of the 8% so at the end of that year, my balance was 108000 The next year, it grew my 108000 Now I'm making compound interest, so that's 8640 So at the end of the year, I'm at 116640 So if we took that all the way down, what you're going to see is that when I'm 65, so here I am now at the age of 65. I'm pulling out 5%, which is 143928 But I have to pay taxes on that money. So that tax is $43,178.62. So even though I deferred my money, when I took the money out, I still had to pay $43,000 in taxes. And this is what most people don't consider that you still have to pay taxes when you take that money out. So my net spendable money was one hundred thousand seven hundred and fifty. Now, at the end of that time frame. That's where I got the amount that I spent. The total amount cumulative income was. Two million six hundred and nineteen thousand five oh two. Now, remember. I also did not have to pay the money, the thirty thousand dollars to convert that because to if I made if I have a hundred thousand dollars and I'm at the thirty percent tax bracket, it would cost me thirty thousand dollars that I would have to pay in taxes. So here's what that looks like: that thirty thousand will continue to grow every year, and when I'm sixty-five, which is right here, when I'm sixty-five. Now, I have my net spendable withdrawal is $15,173. Also, keep in mind on that $30,000 that's in my brokerage account, I had to pay taxes on that every year. So the first year, you'll see here that that $30,000, I earned $2,400. I have to pay taxes on that $2,400. So that's $720. So my balance is $31,680. When you consider the fact that I had to pay taxes on that money. Okay. So let's go down. So at the end of that time frame, you all, that's where the 394522 in income came from. Okay. Bear with me for a second. So now let's just assume I went ahead and paid the $30,000 taxes. So I gave up the future income of 394, but I went ahead and paid the taxes. What would that look like? Well, if I went ahead and paid the taxes and converted that $100,000 into a Roth IRA, look at this, you all. Every year, you'll notice that my interest earned was $8,000. But look at this, you all. My balance was $108,000. The next year, same thing, $8,640. But my balance is $116,040. Why? Because I... My money was tax deferred, so I had no taxes each year like the taxable account. 
Well, that's very important because you'll see down here, see my circle now. Now I withdrew 143,000, but I had no taxes on my withdrawal. So I didn't have to pay the $43,000 in taxes. So when I took out 143, my income, net spendable income was still 143. So we add that up every year and you'll see because I didn't have to pay taxes on that money, it equals $3,742,146. Okay. Does that make sense? If that makes sense to so you, put some fireballs in the comments. I'm talking about how do you look at taxes for future taxation? So instead of me getting income of three million and fourteen, I got income of three million seven hundred and forty-two. But remember, you all, we kept the tax brackets the same. But we already said that we think tax brackets will go up in the future. So what if we had the exact same scenario, but taxes increase in the future to forty percent? Well, now by keeping things the same. I got income of $2,619,850, but by converting, it looks even better. Now my total income is $3,742,147. That is a difference of $1,122,297. So how many of you would like to have an extra $1,122,297 and live the exact same lifestyle, but just make better decisions? Remember how at the beginning I told you that if we can decrease your future tax liability from 25% to 20% and your debt obligation from 20 and from 20% down to 10%, you're going to have millions of dollars more in your portfolio. Okay? This is powerful, powerful, powerful information. So, What I'm going to show you is instead of a Roth convergence, something else that you can do. Did you know that you can actually put your money inside of life insurance and not a Roth IRA? Well, why would I put money into permanent life insurance? And this is what I want to end with today talking about. So if you could do me a favor and just share my, my face really quick. All right. The last thing I'm going to teach you about today, the Thriving Money Show is amazing, right? This information is golden. This is information that people literally pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to get and they don't get it. So again, make sure that you like, share and subscribe. And if you want to set a meeting with my team, you can visit www.wealthcreationcall.com. We'll have the link inside of this um of this YouTube channel in the description area. Uh, we could probably drop it on the screen as well. I don't know what we could do today. This is my first show. We're doing a pretty good job for the first show, wouldn't you say? Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you all really quickly why life insurance works. I'm going to share with you something called the private reserve strategy really quick. And this is going to be some very powerful information. So The first thing I want to share with you is something that's called the 10 minute lesson on life insurance. Give me a second. I'm going to actually pull this up. The first thing I want you to understand is that there are actually three different types of people when it comes to money. 
This is a little bonus. Go ahead and pull up my screen. There's three different types of people when it comes to money, you all. You have the debtor, you have the saver, and you have the wealth creator. So let me go ahead and explain that to you. I want to change your identity to a wealth creator. This is what the debtor does, you all. The debtor. Okay, the debtor is going to go into debt and then they're going to spend their life. Let me kind of do a pointer really quick. The debtor is going to go into debt and then they're going to pay themselves back. The debtor is going to go into debt again, and then they're going to pay themselves back again. They're going to not pay themselves back. They're going to pay off that debt obligation. They're going to go into debt, and then they're going to continue to pay it off. This is the people who we say end up in what's called the rat race, which means they are constantly just trying to get their foot above water. They think that if I can simply become debt-free, I'll be in a better situation, not realizing that debt-free all that simply means is that you're at zero. You're at zero. There are homeless people on the street that are at zero, but that doesn't mean that they're in a better financial situation than you are. Okay. The next type of person is called the saver. The saver is in a better situation because they're above water, but they're going to save, 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 and then they're simply going to pay cash. They're going to save, 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 and then they're going to pay cash. But guess what? Every time that they pay cash, they lose the forward momentum of their money. So if I had $70,000 in cash and I spent $50,000, I spent that $50,000 and now I'm only earning interest on $20,000. So now I have to not just get back to the $70,000, I have to get back to the $70,000 plus what the $70,000 would have earned if I still had it over the next few years. Now, typically when people spend their cash, I do see them a lot of times replace it to get back to the $70,000. But very rarely do I see them to save enough to keep up with the interest that they would have earned had they not spent the $70,000. is not it crazy to consider that the saver and the debtor could end up in the same situation just in different ways? Now, the third type of person is what's called the wealth creator. Now, the wealth creator, they never stop the forward momentum of their money. They're only going to go up. They're going to go up, 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 up. When it's time for them to borrow... They're still going to borrow, but they're going to borrow against themselves and then they're going to pay cash. They're going to, I'm sorry, then they're going to pay it off. They're going to borrow against themselves and then they're going to pay it off. Meanwhile, because they didn't actually spend the money, they just borrowed against their money. Their money continues to grow as if they never touched it. So let me ask you this. Which type of person would you rather be? A debtor, a saver, or a wealth creator? A debtor, a saver, or a wealth creator? Because you see, there are problems with paying cash. Let's just assume that I saved $20,000 per year. My rate of return was 8%. And I drained my tank every five years, and it took me four years to refill that tank. What that means is, like, according to the red, I'm going to save, 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 and then I'm going to pay cash. I'm going to save, 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 and then I'm going to pay cash. I'm going to save, and then I pay cash. Well, at the end of that time frame, I end up with 332910 saved. 
But what if I never had to stop the forward momentum of my money and my money continued to grow? Well, guess what, you all? If that were to happen, I'm going to end up with $2,466,917. That's a difference of $2,134,008 simply by learning what wealthy people do when it comes to money. They don't just spend their money down. They don't pay cash. They don't have bad debt. They borrow against good debt and they make money while their interest account is still making money. They borrow against the account as if they never touched it. And guess what? What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a teaser because I'm not going to give you the 10 minute lesson on how life insurance works on this episode today. I'm not even going to give you what type of life insurance policies do you get? You can go back to my face. I'm not even going to give you um, how life insurance works. Okay. So let's go ahead and just go back to me instead of the, there we go. Okay. I'm going to talk about that next week, but this is what I want you to know. If we keep being inefficient with our money and not knowing the rules of money and how the game of money works, we are going to end up in a bad situation. I don't care how much money you make. I have seen the wealthiest people who have millions of dollars end up broke due to taxation, due to not knowing how to make profits. We're going to talk about these things in the Thriving Money Show. We're going to have live Q&A. We're going to have questions. We're going to have all of that. But what I want to do is I want to save these last 10 minutes for Q&A. Okay. Next week, I'm going to talk about how life insurance work. I'm going to talk about the 10 minute lesson on life insurance. I'm going to talk about how an index universal, how a whole life works. I'm going to talk about um, a strategy where you can borrow against your money and make more money. That's going to be episode two. But for now, I want to do some Q&A based on what we talked about today. So if you have a question, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram, whether it's YouTube, whatever platform you're watching right now, go ahead and ask the question. And I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and answer that question today. So within this next 10 minutes of the show. So you have a question, go ahead and drop it in the chat. If you like what you are hearing right now, put a one in the chat. If you have a question, drop it in the chat. Let's go ahead and test this out. Who's going to be who is going to be the first ever historically in the history of the Thriving Money Show to have a question? If you want to make history, go ahead and drop your question in the chat. Or in YouTube or in Facebook or in any of those platforms. And Brian, this is the part where. Do I let you know if someone has a question in the IG or can you see that as well? Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be looking at IG to let you know if, if um, someone has a question. But in YouTube, anywhere else, if you have a question, let me know. One second. Okay. While we're waiting for questions. Okay. Okay. 
Okay, we got one question. Um, the question was, what is the highest yielding product to invest in no matter what age? Um, all right, so that's that's sort of the, I'm not gonna say it's the wrong question. I get what you're saying, but it's, 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 it's the wrong first question. Too many people, they come to me and, and instead of being more efficient with their money, they wanna know what to invest in is gonna earn them the highest rate of return. The problem is, is that if I give you a product that gives you the highest return, but it's in the wrong tax structures, the government is going to take a big percentage of that and it won't be the highest return when you're down, when you're done. So the first question should be is what tax structures should I be invested into? The next question should be, how do I invest in the best products? So the problem with looking for the highest yield is looking for the highest yield also comes with the highest risk. So if I look, if I say I don't want to make 6%, I want to make 20%. Well, I can put you into something that might average you 20%, but it can also lose you 80% of your money at one time. And if you're okay with losing 80% of your money at one time, sure, I can help you to do so. If you want something that's more stable, but you wanted to have a higher yield, I always recommend real estate. I mean, if you learn a game of real estate, you can never go wrong. That is a hard asset. You can learn how to get a good, reasonable rate of return. It could grow with appreciation. It can also grow with 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 um, income rentals. It can also grow with equity in the product. You can also leverage against that. So I'm a big fan of real estate. But for my investments, I'm a big fan of moderate to conservative. I don't need to take super high risk when it comes to my investments. I'll take higher risk when it comes to, um, I'd rather do something that I know. Okay, hopefully that answers your question. But for me, if you're looking for a long-term return and you could just sit on that thing, and not have to worry about real estate, I still think for a percentage of your money, crypto is still good. Um, if I look at my returns in the prior year for real estate, I mean, for crypto, in fact, I'll show you really quick. Um, uh -huh. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. If you don't know who I'm talking to, I'm talking to my tech team. I don't know if you can hear them or not. Just in case you're wondering if I'm talking to myself. All right, so here we go. I want to show you something really quick. Why do I like crypto going forward? Well, let me show you one of my, it's actually down a little bit. It was up even more, but uh, you probably won't be able to see that that well. No, you won't be able to see it. So I'll just, all right, there we go. Oh, cool. It's coming in. So you see this amount, 389,567. That's the amount of my crypto account, but look closer. Look at what it earned in the past year without me adding any more to it. 133,429. That's a 34.25% return in the past year. And it was up to 417, which was a 42% return. So I still think crypto has a long way to go, Ethereum. I would not invest in some random sites when it comes to um, when it comes to Coinbase. I've heard of people who've gotten their 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 crypto accounts stolen. So only do reputable sites. My site is Coinbase. OK, we got more questions. Which is better, whole life or permanent life? Great question. Neither one is better. I'll talk about that next week. Neither one is worse either. OK, so. When would I invest in a whole life versus an index universal life? Whole life is great if I want to borrow my money quicker because I can borrow within 30 days. 
it with a whole life policy. So if I'm looking to borrow against it, buy some real estate quickly, it's going to earn a lower rate of return, but I have more access to my capital. I'll do whole life. If I'm looking to have a higher rate of return over time and I'm looking to borrow against that account um, down the line for income, then I would do an index universal life. So or like me, I have both. It doesn't have to be either or it can be both. And I have one purpose for long term and one for short term. So, again, neither one is better. It just depends on what your goals are. And I'll go deeper into that next week. So make sure that you tune in. OK, next question. Speaking of real estate is a HELOC, home equity line of credit legit. Yes, HELOCs are legit. In fact, I recommend HELOCs if you have a lot of equity sitting into your house because the equity is earning zero. So when let's just say I have one hundred thousand dollars of equity sitting in my house. Do you realize I can buy five houses worth one hundred thousand dollars a piece with a twenty thousand dollar down payment? And I could be making um, making equity on those properties every year. And I can also make, you know, let's just say I make five hundred dollars a month in income off of each of those properties. Now, that's twenty five hundred dollars in cash flow plus the appreciation of those that I can sell. And then when those houses grow in equity, I can borrow from those and buy more properties. So yes, you're sitting on a dead asset if you have equity in a house and you're not using it. Home equity line of credit is a line of credit that you can get. You don't have to use it, but if you have a job, I will get the home equity line of credit because by the time that you need it, it's too late because they're not gonna approve you for it. Great question. Um, Somebody said, what about an IUL? That's an index universal life. I spoke about an index universal life. Are there limits on how many times we can borrow against the policy? No, there are no limits on how many times you can borrow against the policy. There's no credit checks from borrowing against the policy. There is nobody telling you you can or you can't. If you have access to it, you can borrow against it. And when you borrow against it, you can do it over and over and over. And typically you can have your money within three days. So it's a very powerful concept. Um, when you borrow against your policy, you can borrow that money to leverage it for as assets instead of a liability. These are really great questions. You all are doing an amazing job with the questions here. So let me check. Um, anything else? Um, IG, unfortunately, I cannot see IG right now, even on my own IG. So. Oh, okay, cool. So you can't figure out the IG. Oh, perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, okay, great, great. So we're doing a we're doing a great job. Somebody said answer Gerda's question. I did answer that must have been old. I absolutely answered Gerda's question. What are limits on how many times we can borrow against the policy? No. There are not limits on how many times you can borrow against the policy. Patience, my friend, a little bit of patience. There are questions that are coming in on several different platforms right now, not just Instagram, not just YouTube, not just Facebook. So if someone has a question, I am going to get to it. It may not be in the exact second, but you just put a hand on emoji like this saying answer somebody's question. Patience. I will get to it. I promise you. Um, with that being said, yeah, I want to I want to kind of drop something in in um, in the channels and question to my production team. If I have a link that I want people to get to, what do I what should I tell them on, on the best way to get to the link? OK, perfect. 
So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give everybody a link that they can go to. So give me a second here. Oh, you know what? Great. Perfect. I got you. Hold on. One second. So somebody um, said, I, I, hey, can I set a meeting with your team? Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to drop the link actually for you right now. Okay. I'm going to drop that link. This is the schedule of meeting with my team, you all, to schedule your wealth creation call. I dropped it in the chat, wealthcreationcall.com, HTTPS, whatever, whatever, www.wealthcreationcall.com. And um, that's going to allow you to schedule some time with my team. This is completely complimentary. We are going to look at your situation, help you to determine how to properly allocate your account, what type of life insurance, how to become your own bank, where you can actually borrow against your account and make your money work three to four times off the same dollar, minimize your taxation, increase your future income, get you into a situation where you're not making bad financial decisions. It doesn't cost you anything to set your meeting, but it will cost you a lot if you don't. Okay. Understand that if you don't make changes right now, life will make changes for you. And you don't want life to make those changes for you. So when you have these opportunities, you don't you want to take a chance on it. Right. Because you don't want to miss the opportunity of a lifetime during a lifetime of the opportunity. There's a reason why people remain poor. P.O.O.R. is that they pass over opportunities repeatedly. That's what poor means. P.O.O.R. Pass over opportunities repeatedly. So when it's time to take action, you all you have to act now. Now means N.O.W. No opportunity wasted. So with that being said, you all, it has been a pleasure. Thank you all so much for listening to the first ever Thriving Money Show. This is the show where we're going to make money, multiply your money, manage your money. We're going to help you to be wealth creators. If you want to be a wealth creator, you want to set that alarm sound for when this show pops up each and every week. And with that being said, you all, you are amazing. I'm out. Peace out. Thriving Money Show, shut down.